BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. If you are looking for a one-stop shop for affordable, sustainable, and healthy household products from home to personal care to pantry staples all in one place, you can look no further than public goods. I have been buying stuff here for the past year and I love it all. It's so convenient. I have their shampoo and conditioner, which my hair loves. I swear by their Ayate washcloth. It is the best skin exfoliating buffer ever. It's made from agave fiber. It's all natural and it's just exfoliating enough without irritating the skin. So I use it all over my body before I apply self-tanner and then it goes on nice and evenly because I'm nice and exfoliated. But like I said, it's not just personal care. They have amazing home and cleaning products. They have grooming products, candles, food, basically everything you could possibly need. Public Goods ethically sources everything and they obsessively develop each product to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common in our everyday products. They are committed to making their products healthy for humans, animals, and the environment. Also, they are super eco-friendly, so that's another reason to love them. It's super important to not only know what's in our products, but know where they come from. And small changes in the way we shop can mean a big impact on personal health and the world at large. I love public goods because they really scour the globe to find products that are innovative, diverse, clean, and earth-friendly. Public Goods uses a membership model to keep costs low and ensure maximum savings for their customers. They worked out an exclusive deal for you guys to receive $15 off your first order with no minimum purchase. They are so confident you'll love their products and be a lifer that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You will be obsessed as I know some of you already are. So head over to publicgoods.com slash blondefiles or use the code blondefiles at checkout. That's publicgoods.com forward slash B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S for $15 off your first order. And by the way, they will plant a tree for every order. So if that's not incentive, I don't know what is. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to a solo episode. It's been a while. So I thought I would update you guys on life and do a little Q&A. This podcast is 
first and foremost for you, the listener. And I never want to come on here and ramble about something that's not interesting to you. So I asked you guys on Instagram whether you wanted a regular Q&A for this episode or a more specific Q&A about Hollywood, because I did a series on Instagram stories a while ago and it got a lot of traction. But the response was basically 50-50, maybe like 55-45. So I think today I'll just do a little bit of both. And like I said, give you a life update because it has been such a long time, it feels like. So we'll start there. The main question that I got that I will update you on is what is going on with school? How are classes? Where am I with that whole process? So I'm going to try to explain this as best I can and probably kind of process it out loud too. So last year was a lot. You know, I went back to school and I did so with a vengeance or actually I did so with perfectionism, which I'm working on. So I took a ton of classes. I was like, okay, I'm going to transfer to Columbia or UCLA. That was my plan. I had a college counselor. I was like, I'm going to med school. Here we go. This is my life for the next 10 years. And I dove in head first and Honestly, it was exciting and terrifying and really challenging and really gratifying and stimulating and all the things. And it was also, as anyone who is in school knows, incredibly stressful. It took a major toll on my mental health and the quality of my life and my relationships because I just didn't have time for anything except school. So when I got some time off in December and January and I had some time to breathe, I had some big decisions to make because I would be transferring and going to school in person, meaning I would be basically sequestered to wherever I chose to go. And I was beginning to have some doubts and some dread, not about finishing because that's still super important to me, but I had doubts about the long game and whether it was really what I wanted to do and if I was doing it for the right reasons. So did a lot of praying and meditating and talking to my friends and my therapist and my husband and confidants because I was really feeling torn. And in that same time, I had time off from school and I was able to say yes to things at work that I had said no to the previous year when I was too busy. And suddenly all these amazing opportunities were coming my way and there was so much momentum with my career, so many things happening this year that I would have to pass on if I was too busy. So I just felt completely stuck in the middle, so much so that I was like getting astrology readings and doing some woo-woo stuff, which don't get me wrong, I love, um, to help with my decision. And it kind of took one of my girlfriends being like, Ariel, open your eyes to what's around you and where you are with your career to kind of realize that I was not seeing the big picture clearly. I think I've taken for granted the opportunities that I have with my job and the fulfillment that it brings because I've been hung up on the stigma around being a quote unquote influencer. And I was like in denial and I felt like I had to do something more noble. And that was only part of the reason why I wanted to do something different. Working in the medical or health field was always a dream of mine, but my friends were like, isn't this also your dream? And I just had this kind of overwhelming moment where I was like, yeah, of course there are aspects of the job that I don't like, but that comes with anything. And overall, it really is a dream to be able to do what I do for a living. And I still get to help people and talk to amazing doctors and nutritionists and experts and bring them to you. And maybe that's my role here. 
So anyways, all of this is to say that I made the decision to still finish school at my own pace, meaning one or two classes at a time, and really pour my energy and heart into work. And once I made that decision, it was like my world just opened up and I have felt in the flow ever since. So that said, I really think I was at a fork in the road and I can picture my life fully going the school route too. And it's like, I can see it playing out both ways, but I guess I'm just not wanting to sacrifice everything I've worked for for the last five years here and sacrifice, you know, to be honest, my quality of life and all of that for a change in career when I've worked to get to this point in my career right now. So I hope that didn't sound like a total justification. I guess I just really wanted to convey my reasoning because I know a lot of you are thinking about going back to school or decided to go back after I was talking about it or are currently in school now and need the motivation. And if you are doing it, I am so proud of you. It is so tough. And, you know, for me, just when it comes down to it, I didn't want to change my career, especially with so much happening now. So my heart wasn't in it for the long run. And it's just a huge sacrifice of time and money and all of that if your heart is not in it. But like I said, I'm chipping away and I'm finishing my degree at my own pace where I can still keep work as a priority. So here's a good follow-up question. Do I ever regret putting my personal life in the public eye? I really don't because I love what I do and it comes with the territory. And I also really don't show much of my personal life on social media anyway. There is a lot that I don't share because at the end of the day, my social media is my job. So I feel like I have pretty good boundaries there and I can share enough to where I'm being open and authentic with everybody, but I'm also not sharing more private things. And in a situation like the one I was just talking about with school, where I was so passionate about it last year and talked about it so much and then changed my mind... There is, of course, part of me that feels like I'm letting people down, but I always say I love seeing other people change and grow and learn and make mistakes and work through stuff and come out stronger. So hopefully others can see what I'm doing or what I've done and be inspired somehow in their own lives. That said, there are times when I wish I could delete social media because it gets really exhausting and it is weird to have strangers feel entitled to certain aspects of my life and my time and my attention. But that's just when I know it's time to take a break. And that's kind of what I did the last few weeks, which was so needed. If you've listened to just a few episodes of this show, then you know my love for blue blocks. I wear their blue light blocking glasses pretty much all day, every day, because I'm on a screen 24-7. And they have really helped with tension headaches, eye strain, and just that overall burnt out feeling after so much screen time. I also have their red light bulbs in my reading light in my bedroom. It helps me fall asleep faster. I mean, really, it's a real game changer here. Different kinds of light really do have an impact on our bodies, our circadian rhythms, and even our mental well-being. So it's important to be mindful of how much of this light we are exposed to and how we are protecting ourselves. So they have tons of stylish frames to choose from with their blue light blocking glasses. I love the crystal, and they can also take your own glasses and fit them with light therapy lenses. They come in prescription, non-prescription, and reader's 
and they are created in optics laboratory conditions. And unlike other trendy companies who have no understanding of how light impacts health, Blue Blocks are backed by the latest science and research. So if you want to get your energy back, sleep better, and block out the unhealthy effects of blue light, go to Blue Blocks today and get free shipping worldwide and 15% off with the code BLONDE, that's B-L-O-N-D-E, or go to blueblocks.com slash blonde. For this episode, a bunch of people asked for an updated morning routine. And honestly, I keep it very simple. It doesn't change very much. I wake up, I journal and meditate, I work out, and then I have my green juice and get ready for the day. This is a non-negotiable for me. I love having athletic greens because it's such a micro habit with a maximum benefit. One scoop of athletic greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system. All without the need to take multiple products or pills. Seriously, adding this is such an easy daily habit that can really improve our lives. Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, and the product has gone through 53 iterations and counting. They really go above and beyond. They also do third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best daily nutritional habit on the planet. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system. They are offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase if you visit my link today. You will basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash blonde files and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blonde files, B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S, and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. What's up, well-beings? I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and this is The Heal Podcast. Every Thursday, I interview the leading experts in health and healing, as well as real people with extraordinary healing stories. Whether you want to heal a physical diagnosis, a mental health issue, a past trauma, or heal our planet, The Heal Podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answers you've been searching for. You can follow us on Instagram at at HealDocumentary and at Kelly Gores and catch episode clips on Heal Documentary's YouTube channel. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday anywhere podcasts are found. Okay, next question. Do I believe in goals in life and am I happy? Yes and yes. I think goals are so important, but I think it's how we approach them also that's really important. So goals obviously give us something to work towards. They give us motivation. They give us a sense of accomplishment, all of that. But I think they get problematic when we attach a ton of meaning to them or we place our happiness or our sense of self-worth on the outcome. So 
My school situation is a good example. My goals last year were totally different from my goals this year. And I don't feel like a failure or less than because I didn't meet my goal last year. If anything, I feel proud of all of the hard work that I did and confident and secure in my decisions and my path today because of all of the work that I did and the experience that I had. So I think goals are good overall guides, but we also have to be flexible and find enjoyment in the process of achieving those goals and allow ourselves to pivot. So as for happiness, I have Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar on the podcast next week. He researches positive psychology and he taught the most popular classes ever at Harvard on happiness. And we delve into what it means to be happy, what happiness actually is and how to achieve it. But he basically said happiness is a byproduct of these five different elements. And I'm not going to give them away here. Sorry, I'm totally teasing next week's episode. But I totally agree and I feel like I'm happy as a result of working hard no matter the outcomes, taking care of myself physically and emotionally and spiritually through things like exercise, eating well, meditation, therapy, all of that, and being challenged and stimulated through things like work and classes and through my relationships with my friends and family. So those are the things that are the most fulfilling, not the things I used to think would make me happy, like the car I drive or my closet or money or really anything material. Although you guys know I get a nice temporary high from fashion, but we delve way into that topic. So make sure you tune in next week. And that's my teaser for the day. Okay, what does my anxiety look like? Well, my anxiety is mostly social and performance anxiety, which is kind of new. Maybe it's a result of the pandemic and just not being around a lot of people. So I'll notice that I get kind of low grade generalized anxiety if I have a big interview coming up because it can be a lot of pressure feeling like I have to guide a conversation, especially with some brilliant people that I get to talk to. So it's kind of a combination of anxiety over performing well and anxiety over interacting with some people. But the thing is, 99% of the time, once I'm doing it, I love it. So really, it's kind of this anticipatory, self-centered fear And so I have to redirect my thinking around it. So I apply this thinking to everything that I get nervous about or have anxiety about. So I think, how is this anxiety a result of me thinking about myself? The world doesn't revolve around me. So how can I direct this fear? Usually that looks like thinking about or writing down what I can do for someone else. How can I make this about my guest or my audience? Basically, what am I doing for other people in this situation versus how does this affect me? Last week's episode, which was one of my favorites ever, was all about anxiety with Dr. Jed Brewer. And we talked about how anxiety can be habitual and how to break the habit loop and how If we can bring awareness to it, we can often reduce it. And that's another thing that I tried to do. So we know that if we fight something, it gets worse, right? What we resist persists. So now I try to just notice it and be like, okay, we're doing this again. Well, I'm going to focus on the things that I can control in this situation, like being prepared if I'm doing an interview 
you know, making my guests feel comfortable, getting you guys involved. So I'm focusing on the audience and using the tools that I have, like meditation and exercise, for example, to treat the physical feelings of anxiety. Okay, how do I block out the noise and pursue my passions? Well, we have one life. (laughs) This is it. I have always had a drive for pursuing what I'm passionate about. But when I got sober, it kind of magnified because I really woke up to the fact that I got a second shot. And like I said, this is it. As cliche as it is, um, that really drives me. So really, I have never and will never be one to live my life according to what other people are doing or what other people think or expect of me. I've just kind of always had the attitude of, I'm going to do this and I don't know how, but I am and I will figure it out along the way and I know it will work out somehow. And I think some of that is probably a result of having certain privileges and always having the safety net of a supportive family and supportive partner and financial security, which trust me, I know not everyone has. But I also know that there is a pretty simple formula when it comes to success, at least in my experience, and it's a lot of hard work a lot of blocking out the noise, like the listener who asked this question mentioned, being of service, which a lot of people overlook, but again, kind of back to like, how can I shift this from being about me to like, what am I bringing to this situation and how am I being helpful to other people? And I think it is a little bit of luck too. I will say though that I started my Instagram and then subsequently my website and then my podcast. I started this whole thing when I was working at another job and I was making enough money to support myself at that job. And it wasn't until I was making enough money to support myself doing this too that I left that. So when I say like having financial security, I mean, you know, I didn't just like blindly quit everything and start this from the ground up when I didn't have another source of income. So I just want to make that clear in case anybody was wondering. Okay, moving on. Favorite things to do at night during weekdays versus weekends. Honestly, they don't differ that much lately. I think for everybody probably. But now that things are opening back up. I'm seeing friends on the weekends and doing dinners, but actually it's Wednesday and I went to dinner last night. So I know I'm a wild and crazy person. Dinner on a Tuesday night, but usually a weeknight looks like cooking or ordering in and having dinner with Chuck and then watching a show or reading. Very exciting. And weekends are either something similar or going out with friends. So I usually stick to like going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time. So that kind of influences my social life a little bit, I guess, at this point. Okay. My and Chuck's love languages. Well, mine is receiving gifts and I've taken the love language quiz many times trying to get a different answer because I'm like, that's a little shallow, but I keep getting receiving gifts. And Chuck's is probably words of affirmation. But the way that I show love to people is usually through food. Cooking or baking is my favorite thing to do for the people close to me that I care about because it just brings me so much joy to see them get joy from something that I make. I don't think that people always feel the same. Like Chuck is over it sometimes. I think he's like, can't you just give me a compliment? I don't want any more cookies. But yeah, those are our love languages. 
How do I maintain a healthy relationship with varied food groups with all my guests' opinions? Well, I think I've been through enough with my health journey, you know how I feel about that word, to know that what other people do won't necessarily work for me or make me feel good or what is recommended might not necessarily work for me or make me feel good. So I love to hear about other people's approaches to health and wellness and I love learning the science and I love learning from the amazing experts that I get to talk to and I'll kind of cherry pick things from each of them and try different things and I keep whatever works for me and just kind of file away the rest of it. So when it comes to food, I really do eat intuitively, but I also have certain things that I avoid because they make me feel terrible. So case in point, I had a bowl for lunch yesterday. It was so delicious. And it also had tons of cheese in it, which is probably why it was so delicious. And afterwards I felt horrendous, although I did take a couple array bloat pills. I'm telling you guys, those things are magic. But, you know, I've had guests that have said dairy is totally fine for everyone. And I've had intuitive eating experts who would say to restrict nothing. And then I have others who say dairy is terrible for everyone. So I just listened to my own body at the end of the day. And at the end of yesterday, it was like, what the F? Please don't do that again. Do I have friends that drink? And if so, how does that work? Um, yeah, I have plenty of friends that drink and it works like it just doesn't bother me if people drink. It's problematic if the person is an alcoholic because that I just cannot be around, probably for obvious reasons. So if we're at dinner and my friends are drinking and get a buzz going or whatever, it's totally fine. By all means, if you can handle it, go for it. I would rather my friends be themselves and have fun then not drink because I'm there. But if I'm with someone, which has happened occasionally, and that person clearly has a drinking problem and is drinking a ton and like raging when I'm just sitting there eating a nice dinner or we're hanging out, I just can't have that in my life. Not because of the alcohol so much as the sloppiness and the behavior and the fact that it's kind of depressing for me because I know what that feels like and it's not fun. Do I still struggle with body image? Honestly, no, very, very rarely. There are definitely areas where sometimes I'm like, Ugh, I want that tighter. And it's really hard because I shoot with a photographer at least once a week and I have to go through like hundreds, if not thousands of photos sometimes of myself. And, you know, 95% of them are unusable. So I'm very aware of what I look like. But those moments are few and far between. So I wish I knew how this shift happened, but I can't really pinpoint it. I think just gradually I stopped obsessing over how my body looked because time and time again, when I tried to make it look a certain way, I was not happy and I felt terrible doing so. But when, for example, I exercise to feel good and I eat things to feel good and for my health, that's sustainable. And then I can appreciate my body for what it does for me now versus how it looks. And I think also just being in my 30s and having a lot of interests that have nothing to do with my body has helped a lot. I think partially I just grew out of it, if that makes sense. It's a lot harder, I think, when you're in your 20s and it also depends on my social media use, but I think that's probably 
relevant for everybody. One of the keys to having a healthier relationship with food for me has been always having yummy, nutritious food on hand so that I am not making less than great choices. There's a saying, fail to plan, plan to fail. Maybe that's a little harsh, but being prepared so I'm not overtaken by hanger helps me eat in a way that I feel my best and I do so sustainably. So Sakara makes this so easy and is such a great way to ensure you're getting delicious, healthy food for all of your meals and snacks. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what we eat. They have organic, ready-to-eat meals made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and the menu is crafted by chefs weekly, so you will never get bored. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all made with ingredients designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. This week has a breakfast cookie, a goji donut. They have a Mother Earth bowl with veggies and tarragon tahini dressing. They have dark chocolate granola, a root veggie enchilada. Every single thing is so delicious. And along with delicious plant-rich meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's made with organic raw cacao and it works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. And right now, Saqqara is offering my listeners 20% off your first order. All you have to do is go to saqqara.com slash blondefiles and enter the code blondefiles20 at checkout. Again, that's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S to get 20% off your first order. Again, sakara.com slash blondefiles and enter blondefiles20 for 20% off. Okay, pivoting to some Hollywood questions. These are from a few weeks ago. So some of these stories that people have asked about may have kind of fallen out of the headlines, but I'll still talk about them. So one that I got a lot was, what are my thoughts on Demi Lovato being California sober? I have some thoughts on this. I'm sorry. Look, I do believe harm reduction is a good thing when it comes to addiction or alcoholism. I think it works for some people. Um, I think Demi Lovato is drinking and smoking weed, and that's arguably less dangerous than shooting heroin, although plenty of people die from alcohol-related deaths as well. But to drink and smoke weed and call yourself sober is just ridiculous, in my opinion. I think Heather McDonald talked about it and was like, I drank, I don't smoke weed, but I drank, and I would never under any circumstance call myself sober. And it's like kind of a slap in the face, I think, to her impressionable fans and followers who may be struggling with drugs or alcohol themselves to be flaunting her drinking and her drug use and call herself any kind of sober. So I'm sorry. That's a no from me. I'm glad she's not shooting heroin. But, you know, I've also been sober long enough to see people drink when their main problem may have been a drug. And inevitably, you know, they drink and their inhibitions go down. And the next thing they know, they're calling their drug dealer. So I hope she has people around her that have her best interest at heart. And I will leave it at that. 
does life sometimes feel fake? I don't know if this is a Hollywood question or just general life question, but I'm trying to think how to answer this. It's hard to answer. No, it doesn't feel fake. I think people have to remember that what you see on social media or TV or whatever is just a little glimpse of what life is actually like. And everybody, no matter who they are, has problems and mundane shit they have to deal with. And you know, also whatever your life looks like, you get used to it and it just kind of becomes the norm. So I'll speak for myself here. There have definitely been times where I've been like, this is crazy. How did this happen? You know, like the talking head song, how did I get here? But those moments are usually fleeting. And if this question is more about the lifestyle in LA and LA people, I still feel very much on the periphery of all of that because I tend to gravitate towards people who are just really grounded, regular people and are not caught up in the superficiality of it all. But like I said, there have been moments that have felt surreal. I'm trying to think of anything as an example. Honestly, I think people would think that it would be like an award show or a red carpet or something related to kind of the Hollywood glitz and glamour type of stuff. But when I think of moments that were really profound that I remember pretty vividly, they're really random, like driving in my car where all of a sudden I'll be hit with a wave of gratitude or something like, holy crap, how did how did my life get here? And it's more related to like sobriety than any of the other stuff. So kind of a boring answer, but that's the truth. Okay, am I nervous about seeing celebrities in real life that I talk about on the podcast? I love this question. This is very flattering that the person who asked this thinks that any of these celebrities listen to the Blonde Files podcast. Um, So no, I don't worry about it. I have talked about Jason Bateman as my hall pass on other podcasts though. And he and his wife, Amanda, were at our table at the Golden Globes last year. And for a second, I was like, oh shit. But again, I don't think they caught wind of it. I think that they're probably not listening to the podcasts that I'm on or if I talk about it here. And obviously it's just a joke. Chuck saw him at his country club a couple of weeks ago and called me and was like, hey, I'm with your crush. So yeah, it's no secret. Which Hollywood event has the best food? All of the ones I've been to, the better food is at the smaller events, like a wrap party, because it's just not possible, I don't think, to cater to that many people at, say, a big award show and have it be good. Plus, there's so much going on at award shows and there are cameras everywhere. So you really don't want to be eating anyway. Most beautiful actress I've seen IRL. Okay. I just want to preface all of this by saying that I'm not trying to be a name dropper and Whenever I talk about this stuff and these Hollywood events and celebrities, it's coming from an outsider perspective. I'm married to somebody who's on the inside, but I still consider myself kind of on the periphery, just looking in as an observer. So I just hope it doesn't sound obnoxious, like I'm name dropping. But anyway, most natural wow person is what this person asked. Let's see. Emily Blunt in real life is gorgeous. Um, I know people have mixed feelings about her, but Anne Hathaway is stunning in person and she never really did it for me before, but her skin is bananas. Um, I think Margaret Qualley, 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 I think I'm saying it right, is gorgeous in like a little ballerina way. 
Um, another name I'm going to butcher, Searsha Ronan, is flawless. Just trying to think of people who I've seen up close at award shows or events that are pretty natural. I know everybody loves J-Lo, but last time I saw her on a red carpet, the contouring and makeup was thick. It was not my favorite, but I mean, you got to give it to her. She looks great for her age, I guess. And I think Jennifer Aniston is timeless and she still looks amazing, even though she bakes herself in the sun. I don't know how she does it. I need to find out her body skincare regimen. It must be that Greek skin. Speaking of J-Lo, do I think J-Lo really hasn't had Botox? I know for a fact that she has from multiple people, from legitimate sources, I know that she has had Botox and probably more. I'm sorry. That's not the only thing she's done. You just have to look at pictures of her when she was younger. She has had surgery too. I don't think J-Lo is listening to this, but if she is, allegedly. What scene are my friends in? Definitely not the Hollywood scene. <laughs> I have different groups of friends. So I have my friends through Chuck and I have my friends through sobriety and friends through my job and then just other friends. But nobody is really in a scene. Some of them are kind of involved in other ways, but definitely I do not hang out with scene people. How do I figure out what cosmetic work to have done? Do I use an advisor? Now I guess I'm just kind of jumping around. I don't have an advisor. I've been lucky over the years to have a couple doctors who I really trust and are pretty conservative and keep it real with me and tell me what would look good and what not to do. And when I get bright ideas, they usually shoot them down. <laughs> that person now as Dr. Mascaro, I literally will not go to anyone else probably ever again. And I've told him as much. So he's stuck with me, but I love his eye. I trust him 100%. He is an incredible surgeon. I know he has a waiting list for a consult. I think he's booking consults in April 2022 right now. So please nobody DM me if they try to get one. Um, but yeah, he's incredible. That said, there are is really nothing else that I want or need for a while now. I'm happy with the tweaks I've made that have just kind of refreshed me over the years. And I'll probably stick to just focusing on skincare, some lasers here and there, and staying out of the damn sun. That is my vice. I'm trying to quit it. I'm at that age where it's starting to show up on my skin, you know, the years that I baked myself. And that really ages you faster than anything else, I think. Okay, celebrity I would like to meet. Hmm. I mean, this isn't very exciting, but I want to meet Dax Shepard. And actually, this is kind of funny because he emceed a charity dinner I went to years ago. And I was like, huh, this punked guy? Seriously, that's the best they could do. And now I'm a devoted armchairy, which is what he calls his podcast audience. His podcast is Armchair Expert for anybody who is not familiar, which I'm sure everybody is. But I would just love to have a conversation with him. I think he's funny and vulnerable. He has an astonishing breadth of knowledge. Um, he kind of reminds me of Chuck in that way, and they actually know each other. So maybe I'll manifest this and we'll check back in in a year. Is it super common for celebrities to call paparazzi on themselves? 
Yes, I feel like especially today, the majority of them do, or they go to places where they know paparazzi are like Craig's in LA, Giorgio Baldi, Nobu, Alfred, and so on. They're just places where you know that they kind of camp out. But I think the days of them being everywhere are kind of over. So I think that they need to have their publicist or someone give the paparazzi a heads up and everybody wants to stay relevant today. So I guess it's part of the game. Have I ever been introduced to a celebrity that was rude? Well, you guys probably saw my blind item about this B-list actress from, from a franchise that is rude every time I see her. And I've heard it from other people too. I think it stems from insecurity. But anyway, I won't revisit that one. I think it's on my Instagram highlights in like a Q&A highlight thing. Okay, I'm thinking of another one. So I'll give you another blind item. We were at a big award show and I went up and introduced myself to this person because we were at this table talking to people there and I was very friendly and I went up to this actress and introduced myself and she looked at me like, ugh, like who is this chick? She gave me like a once over kind of a head to toe and then had the fakest kind of smirky smile and didn't say anything back. So I like introduced myself and she just kind of looked at me. So I think she's also B-list. She's a TV actress, although she was in an iconic movie. She's been around forever, it seems like, and she's maintained a pretty solid, successful career, but I don't think she ever quite got A-list, maybe A-list name recognition. But that's my blind item for the day. And no, I will never tell. I will say this, though. Usually the big A-list people are the nicest in my experience and the B or C-list people can have attitudes. So make of that what you will. Okay, what do I think of Zac Efron? I think this is in regards to the picture that went around of his face. I'm never trying to be like judgmental or critical of anyone, but I think he's probably allegedly on like some kind of steroids and maybe allegedly got either filler or jaw surgery. It kind of looks like the latter. You need to use a lot of filler to get that look and it can migrate and it fluctuates. I don't know. I think... I think celebrities usually opt for surgery. We'll see how he looks in a few months, I guess. I am definitely not an expert, but I did actually read a blind item about an actor. It was obviously him who was trying to get modifications to look more masculine so that he could be in like superhero or like Avenger type movies. Celebrity who I've met who was so cool. I want to be friends with them. I love Kaylee Cuoco. I want to have her on the podcast, so let's manifest that too. What was my first award show? Golden Globes a couple years ago when Chuck's show won Best Show. That was a crazy night. Total whirlwind. Um, okay, this is random. Does my husband pay for my plastic surgery, Botox, facials, etc.? That is a big fat no. He is against all of it. Well, not against Botox or facials, but you know, I make a good living. I can pay for that myself. But the surgery stuff, he is not down with that. So he would definitely not pay for it, even if I asked. Plus, I can hide it better if I pay, you know. Which of my pre-COVID beauty routines will I not be bringing back? Lash extensions. I am so happy to be free of the lash extension life, constant maintenance, 
so annoying. I had them for like six years and I was terrified to go without them. And now I look back on pictures from pre-pandemic and I'm like, who is this person with the big fake lashes? No, just no, not my vibe. They look great on some people. On me, it was just a little much. My lashes got super healthy the last year just from not doing extensions and barely wearing makeup. And they're nice and long and full again and low maintenance and yeah, not going back to that. How much time do I normally spend apart from Chuck? Usually no more than two weeks at a time, maybe two and a half weeks if I'm traveling, but our relationship has always been like this. I was traveling all the time when we started dating for my job and we just are both very committed to our careers. So it's always worked for us to do our own thing. And, you know, if I'm traveling for work, he's like, you got to do what you got to do. But at two weeks, he's like, okay, I've had enough of this. You can come back now. And I worry because I know a hundred percent he doesn't eat one vegetable the entire time I'm gone. So I have to come back for his wellness. How do I pick outfits for events? Do I have a stylist? Yes, I have a stylist who I work with just for award shows because I just do not have the time or the bandwidth to spend days going around the different designers pulling dresses. So she does it for me, then brings it to the house and then we pick from there. Have celebrities hit on me or slid in my DMs? At first I was going to say no, but then I just realized, yes, it happened one time. It was a while ago, but it was when I was married. But now I think I'm too old. I'm definitely not the vibe they're looking for. I mean, have you seen the videos that came out of like Matthew Perry, Ben Affleck, these girls on TikTok who are like 18 or 19, who are matching with them on Raya, which by the way, I think is kind of gross. I mean, it's just such an invasion of privacy. So, I mean, for one, I'm married, but I'm also not, I'm not a Tatiana. And if you don't know what that means, you can look it up on Urban Dictionary. Um, but I'm, I'm not putting that kind of energy out there, I don't think. So yeah, no, doesn't really happen. I have had some industry people DM me, which is weird because they definitely know who I'm married to. But yeah, I think I'm over the hill for most of these guys because I'm over 30. Do celebrities tell one another about surgery but lie to the public? Of course. But I think even non-celebrities do that. People will tell their close friends, but not tell everybody. So surgery really is no secret in this town. I'm always hearing that so-and-so went to this or that doctor and had this or that done from all kinds of people. And you guys know my stance on this. I think the lying is ridiculous, especially when somebody so clearly has had surgery. I mean, I understand wanting privacy and I understand just kind of not addressing it. I don't think that people are necessarily obligated to, but I think I think it's also just kind of insulting to everyone else when it's so obvious and then they do blatantly lie about it. That's, I think, where the problem is, like the blatant lying. Either just don't address it or don't lie. But I think at the root of it is kind of insecurity. It's like some people feel like somehow someone will be less revered for their looks or they'll feel less beautiful if they admit that they had help, which isn't the case. So that's my opinion on that. Have I thought of going below the face for modifications? No, but I will probably do fat transfer to my boobs eventually. Who said I love you first between Chuck and I? Sorry, guys, these are getting 
<laughs> really random. Um, Chuck did like three weeks into dating. Best face treatment. It's hard to pick one because different treatments have different indications, but I actually do keep it pretty simple, contrary to what people might think. I like doing a monthly facial where I'm just kind of cleaning everything out and hydrating. I liked Fraxel, although I did break out after, which can happen. And I really love Clear and Brilliant, which I'll do every couple of months for maintenance. Part of me almost feels like I got a better result from Clear and Brilliant just because it didn't like aggravate my skin as much as Fraxel did. But I think it's good to do a Fraxel if you want to do this type of laser. Do one Fraxel and then do Clear and Brilliant for maintenance after. Best and worst part of living in LA. Best is the weather. The food is great. And I think just the health conscious culture. Worst is that it's not a walkable city. It's hard to see friends a lot of the time if they live in different areas than you. The traffic is horrendous, which everybody knows. And even though the weather is nice and is on one of the best lists for me, it also gets pretty monotonous and I do miss seasons. Okay, last one. What am I excited about? Definitely the world opening back up. Things are starting to feel normal. LA feels pretty normal. New York felt pretty normal when I was there a couple of weeks ago. I have a lot of trips coming up and I'm just so happy to be able to move freely about the world. Um, we're so fortunate in this country to have easy access to the vaccine. And yeah, it's just a hopeful time. So I hope that this was insightful, entertaining, and I will talk to you guys next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 